All right, good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Let me say happy Father's Day. My name is Tim. Let's give a big Father's Day welcome to all our campuses. What's up, guys? Great to see you all. If you're joining us, church online, Facebook, glad you're here for our series, uh, Spartan Faith. And uh, some of you are like, what is Spartan Faith? Well, this spring, some of our pastors and staff, we went on a Spartan race at City Field, uh, where the Mets play. So it's an unholy place. And... Uh, you can see some of our campus pastors there. Some of our 20-something staff are all like CrossFitters. Do you want to guess who won? Who do you think won the Spartan race? Anyone want to guess? Kyra. Listen, yo, yo, no, Kyra? No, not, not Jim, not Pastor Chris even. Our executive pastor, Dave Brooks, won the entire Spartan race. He's all dabbing on everybody. He doesn't beat. This kind of a fun competition for us, We're just kind of revealing who has like the Spartan strength, right? Well, this series is actually based scripturally on Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. This is a chapter in the Bible, sometimes called the Hall of Faith. Not the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith. In other words, it's a list of all the Old Testament men and women who were warriors. They exercised a very strong faith in a very wicked world. In fact, many of them overcame overwhelming odds in their life. They experienced victory through God's strength and favor. And so last week, we looked at the life of Noah. The uh, Bible says was a righteous man, and he walked faithfully with God, which was challenging because he lived in a very crooked culture, kind of like ours, right? We said we're kind of living in the days of Noah, where the world was just so violent and immoral and evil that God said, you know what, I'm going to wipe out the whole thing and just start over. I'm going to send a flood, which is kind of hitting like Control-Alt-Delete, <laughs> and I'm going to like reboot creation, right? So God tells Noah, I choose you. I want you to build an ark, which took a huge amount of faith. Noah had never seen the rain before. He was 100 miles from the nearest ocean, and it took him, remember how long it took him to build the boat? 120 years. But Hebrews 11, verse 7 says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to do what, church? To save his What's the first job of a father? It's the salvation of your family, okay, dads? He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. And the thing is, Noah was not, he was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was made fun of by his neighbors, must have looked foolish. But we learned that if you walk with God, you will look odd to the world, amen? Not because you're trying to be weird or you're trying to be different, but by definition, if you live by faith, you put your faith in the invisible, what people can't see, you're just going to look odd to the world. You don't fit in. You are going to stand out. You will stand out at work. You will stand out at school. I heard from a lot of you who are like, man, Tim, I feel that every day, that pressure just to conform to the culture. But many of you were like, just preach it, Tim. I got to be odd for God. So that's awesome because you are sitting in a room full of oddballs right now, all right? You, we, I'm serious, guys. You got it. The darker the culture gets, you got to stand up for God's truth, even if it's unpopular or politically incorrect, okay? Because sometimes, I'm telling you, oh, I'm going to get a little bit in your face this morning. I feel, I feel a sweaty sermon coming on. All right, listen. <laughs> I, I just have found sometimes it's God preparing to do something big in your life, and he will tell you to step out of your comfort zone and take a journey of faith in order to experience the greater blessing that he has prepared for you and your family. And that's what we're going to see today in the life of 
Abraham, uh, who appears in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. In fact, Abraham appears in the next verse right after Noah. This is Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10. We have it in your, uh, you can have it on your phone there in our, uh, on our app. We'll also put it up. But here's how Hebrews 11 describes his journey. This is amazing. Listen to this. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to what? Leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. And so he went without That's so significant. I mean, he just went without knowing where he's going, right? So in faith, Abraham left his hometown, what was familiar, to go on a journey with God to a foreign land. And here's what verse nine says. And when he reached the land God promised him, promised land, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner. He's like a tourist just passing through, living in tents. And so did his sons Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. So Abraham became father of the Jewish Nathan. Uh, Jewish Nathan. <laughs> I just saw Pastor Nathan. I was like, what's well, okay, here we go. Well, do you guys remember? I mean, I remember Sunday school, we used to sing that song, Father Abraham had many sons. Anybody else? Many sons had Father Abraham. You guys remember that, right? Uh, so here's the deal. He, uh, Isaac and Jacob, two of his sons, they actually became the patriarchs of the faith who walked with God. Now, what kept Abraham and his family trusting God in his journey? Verse 10 says, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Guys, you're going to learn three things about Abraham in his journey of faith that I think applies to your journey of faith here in the 21st century. That if you want to experience the blessing of God, if you want to take your faith to a whole nother level, your journey will involve three things that we just saw with Abraham. Your journey will involve a leaving of the familiar, a living by faith in a strange land, and a looking forward to the future promise of God. If you're taking notes, these are the three big ideas you see right here uh, in our three verses in Hebrews 11. If you want to follow God, you want to live by faith, experience his blessing in your life like Abraham, your journey will absolutely involve a leaving. Can everyone say that word? Leaving. It says God called Abraham to leave home and go to another land. It will involve a living. Everyone say living. living. When Abraham reached the land God promised him, he what? Lived there by faith. And thirdly, it will involve a looking. Everyone say looking. looking. Where was he looking? Not to the past. He was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations designed and built by God himself. Guys, this is the journey of faith that every Christian, under the sound of my voice, has to take at some point if you want to step into God's divine destiny for your life. Now, when I say divine destiny, what do I mean? I mean God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose. He puts you on this planet. And when you step into that, it will require a leaving the familiar, a living by faith, and a looking forward to the future promise of God. But let's start right here with the leaving because verse 8 says this. God called Abram to leave home and go to another land that he'd give him, and he went without knowing where he was going. <laughs> now, here's kind of the fun part. This is Hebrews in the New Testament, and so we're going to put our finger in the New Testament, and basically this is a summary of the original backstory in the Old Testament, in Genesis 12 and 13. 
So if you flip over to Genesis 12, you can read the original story. Genesis 12 says, here's how it went down. The Lord had said to Abram, and by the way, you'll see him called Abram before Abraham. God changes his name. He changes it to Abraham later on in the story, but same person. He says, Abram, I want you to, what's the word? Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And honestly, guys, that must have been hard to hear because Abram had a nice home, man. He was living large. He had a great crib. Uh, Bible says he was a successful businessman. He was a wealthy rancher, and he lived in a pretty posh city called Ur of the Chaldeans. Can everyone say that? Ur of the Chaldeans. Yeah, it's kind of like arg, like a pirate, but uh, Ur of the Chaldeans was an important city in the ancient world. In fact, if you take a look at this map, you'll see it was located right in the cradle of civilization there by the Tigris and Euphrates River. It's right there at the Persian Gulf. You see it there? And that would be in modern-day southern Iraq, okay? And archaeologists have actually discovered evidence of not just Ur, the city, but a flourishing civilization that was located right along this very important trade route. Uh, Ur also had a vast library. So catch this. Abraham was rich. <laughs> Abraham was well-educated and he was well-positioned in life. This guy was basically born on third base. So it must have been hard to one day be praying and God says to him, Abraham, I want you to get up and go, leave. Wave bye-bye to your family. See ya to your friends, everyone you went to high school with, and I want you to leave everything that you have known for your whole life. I mean, if I'm Abraham, I'm saying like, okay, God, I hear you, uh, where are we going? And then God gives a very unsatisfying answer. <laughs> to the land that I will show you. How's that sound? <laughs> uh, can you be a little bit more specific, God, right? And God's like, nope. <laughs> All I'm telling you is to get up and go, boy, without knowing where he's going. <laughs> now, why is God telling Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldeans? Why is God calling him to move away from everything familiar, his family and friends, the culture that he's living in. Well, to understand this, again, you gotta read the backstory in Genesis 11. See, at this moment in history, the whole world is rebelling against God. This sound familiar to you, right? Same show as Noah, season two, here we go, all right? And at the center of this rebellion are the people of Ur. The symbol of their rebellion is an architectural marvel. It's a worship temple called the Tower of Babel. Everybody say Babel. Babel. It says, they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. We don't want anything about God. We want to make a name for ourselves. Sound familiar, America? <laughs> the Tower of Babel was right in the center of the city. Probably looks something like this. This is called a ziggurat. It is actually kind of looks like a giant pyramid, but you'll notice it has stairways, steps going up the side, ramps going up the side. And ziggurats were built um, as worship temples. They stood as high as 300 feet, 300 feet at the base, so they were in the center of the city, the focal point. The difference was this was not a temple to worship God. The people built it to worship who? Themselves. The people said, hey, let's build a tower reaching to the heavens so we can make a name for us. Now think about this. This tower was built to heaven to show, you know what? We don't actually need God because <laughs> we got a religion. And here's the name of our religion. You ready? 
humanism. <laughs> it goes like this. We're pretty great. <laughs> We're going to make a name for ourselves. Very similar to today's culture, right? You look at culture today and people are like, I'm not sure we need faith anymore, man. We got intelligent uh, design. We got brains. We got reason. We got science. We got technology. We got Instagram. <laughs> we got Teslas, man. We got virtual reality. The people in Ur are like, we can build this thing. We don't need God to help us. In fact, notice, they actually built a staircase up the side. This was like the stairway to heaven. God, don't God come down to us. We'll work our way up to him. That's humanism. That's man-centered religion where you work your way up to God. But I love what God says. He doesn't fool around. <laughs> He's like, you fools. <laughs> but the Lord, what? Came down to see the city and the tower that people were building. How many of you know, the Lord says, I don't care how high you get. <laughs> I don't care how much money you make. I don't care if you have fame and fortune and followers on Insta. I got to come down to you because you're never as high as I am. God came down. I'm not beating up. I'm not beating up humans. We are made in the image of God, but he is the all-powerful, sovereign creator who puts breath in our lungs. And when we think we're going to kind of ascend to him, God comes down and says, look what these fools are trying to do. They're trying to make a name for themselves without me. I create them in my image. I breathe into their lungs. I am the author of life. I create them, and they don't want my name. They, they want to make man-made religion. They don't want me. So understand where Abraham's living. He's living in an age of humanism. It is a culture of idol worship, man-centered religion. And so here we go again. God says, Abraham, I got a special plan for you, but you got to leave this behind. I got a special purpose for your life, but in order for me to show you your destiny, watch this, you got to get up and go. <laughs> you you got to leave here and go somewhere new. Now, I'm not going to tell you where I'm taking you. I'll tell you once you leave where you live. You, you can't conform to this culture and have me. Now, let's be honest. If that was you, okay, if that was us, most of us would be like, okay, God, why don't you just uh, send me a Google map first? You know, drop a GPS, like the street address there. Like, I'm open to relocation, God, if I can see the destination, if I can check out, you know, what the taxes are on Zillow. Uh, maybe they got a good school district for the kids. Then I'll decide, okay? Because, God, if you're like, I'm going to leave all this behind, you better give me an address. And if I like what I see, maybe I'll leave. <laughs> that ain't faith. <laughs> Bible's got a name for that. It's called walking by sight. I will obey you, God, if I see the benefits first. That ain't faith. Remember what faith is? Last week I gave you this beautiful definition by Dr. Tony Evans that I love. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth before you see the results. Before you see any evidence, you say, I believe God's telling the truth, and even when I can't see it, I'm going to walk by faith. The Bible says walk by faith, not by sight. Now, you may be here today, and I understand you're like, Okay, but Tim, what's that got to do with me, okay? I don't live in Ur of the Chaldeans. I live in Jersey, you know, kind of thing. I'm in Bloomfield of the Caldwells, you know, like, whatever. Actually, it's got a lot to do with you. See, Ur of the Chaldeans represents worldliness. Worldliness is paganism. It's actually living life without any regard for God and loving the world instead. So in other words, 
The focus of your life is I'm taking my talents, my energy, my time, and I'm gonna build my own tower of success, right? This is the American dream, right? Well, you gotta get an important job. Uh, you gotta make a name for yourself. You gotta get a bigger house, fancy car, YouTube channel, make a name for yourself, people. But worldliness is where you are focused on making that name for yourself in the eyes of the world and you leave God out of the picture. You know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says if you're friends with the world, you are an enemy of God. First John 2 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father, it just ain't in them. So to be friends with the world means you actually are an enemy of the Lord. God has called every Christ follower to leave worldliness and follow Jesus Christ. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and what? Read it together, church. Pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father. They're from this world. Bible says, here's newsflash, the world is dying. The world is about to pass away. So am I. So are you. <laughs> And so God calls every Christian to live in the world, but not be of the world. Have you heard that phrase before? I want to be in the world, but not of the world. See, hear what, not, listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying you, you, you can live in America, you can have friends, you can work in the world. All of us live in the world. But it's the attitude of your heart that makes you worldly. It's the posture of your affections that says, you know what, God, you're a little bit add on to my story. I'm busy making myself great. And if you can help me with that, that'd be fine. If not, I'm gonna kick my faith to the curb. It puts man at the center of the culture. Guess what? That's where our world is today, is it not? Think about, think about the music we listen to. The TV shows we watch, right? It's all about me, 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 you, you, you. If it ever mentions God, now it's like a punchline, right? It's his name, it's, we talk, if we ever talk about Jesus, it's like we're gonna use it in vain. I'm watching this show with my kids, we're on Netflix, and they're like, Jesus Christ, God damn. You know what? That's not just a punchline. The Bible calls that blasphemy. You understand? And you may be like, well, bro, hey, just relax, man. You're getting like a little testament on me. Don't, don't, don't talk about judgment. <laughs> don't crip my style, man. People today, you be you. I can do what I want, I can say what I want. Don't go tell me about a holy God who is all-powerful, burning with the heat of a thousand nuclear reactors, and he's righteous and holy and wants me to serve him. That's the reality of the world from God's perspective. But the attitude of her is like, whatever, man. You see why God called Abraham out of that junk? So what motivated him to actually take the step and leave? The answer is, God gave him something better than a map. God says, I'm gonna give you a promise. I'm not telling you where we're going, but I'm gonna promise you something. In Genesis 12, God says, I want you to leave your land. And once you take that first step of leaving, here's my promise. I will make you great into a great nation. And I will bless you. And here we go. Let's say this together. I will make your name great. And you will be a... Abraham, all your neighbors are worried about making a name for themselves. But guess what? When you walk in faith and you obey me, I will make you into a great nation. I'm gonna make your name great. That's the promise, Abraham. I have a plan for your life. You got a divine destiny. In fact, I'm not just gonna bless you. Your life is gonna bless other people. 
He says, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God says, Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation that is God-centered, not man-centered. It's going to be a, this place where people don't try to come up to me, I come down to them. And when they see my son Jesus, they're going to bow down and they're going to worship me and say, my life isn't my own. It's all yours, God. You can have it all. I'm available. Take me. That's what it's going to be like. And not understand this, not just your nation. All nations on earth are going to be blessed through you, Abraham. And sure enough, if you trace the family tree of Abraham, Jesus Christ was born to save sinful humanity, the biggest global blessing in history. But Abraham doesn't know this at this moment. All he's got is a promise that if he would leave his world and walk by faith, God had even bigger blessings in store for his life. Which raises a question for me and you. Just take a moment and ask yourself this question honestly. Is my present position blocking God's future blessing? Is it possible your refusal to move is making you miss out on God's future blessing for your life? Think about that. Because the truth is, God has a divine destiny for every single follower of Jesus Christ. He has a sovereign plan for you. He has this divine destiny for your life. It's the reason you were born where you were. It's why he chose you to live right here at this particular moment in history. And like Abraham, guys, you and I got handpicked to live in a godless culture that is self-centered and for the most part ignores God. Kicks faith to the curb, right? Mocks faith. And it tries to seduce us with the comforts of this world. Gets us to settle for all the, the lesser gods, right? Success, materialism, uh, sex, pleasure, power, all the false idols of this world. So can I ask this? Is it possible that the comfort and security of your present position is making you miss out on God's future blessing? Because Abraham had a choice this moment. He's got a crossroads. Does he leave what's familiar and trust God's plan? Or does he say, oh, I have such security in my present position. Or do I leave my comfort and security for the uncertainty of a future promise by God? Guess what? You have the same choice. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God has a bigger purpose for your life that he wants to fulfill. And the question is, is your present position making you miss out on God's future blessing? Let me put it this way. What would you have to leave behind? If God, God called Abraham out, what is God calling you out of? What would you have to leave behind in this world if you were gonna take hold of God's blessing? So you stepped into your destiny. I was talking with our pastors this week and I said, you know, what are some of the things people are, uh, are, are walking away from? And uh, one of them said, well, I was talking you know, with a guy the other day who was having a hard time breaking up with his, his girlfriend. He said uh, he had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ, and he's like, my life has to change. My heart is changing. I want more of God, and his girlfriend's not a believer. And she's like, that's good for you, not for me. <laughs> Don't bring the crazy Jesus stuff over here. And so he's kind of, he's like, I got one foot in the world. I got one foot in the land of faith. I'm not sure what to do. Will I fully leave? I talk to a lot of people here who struggle with worldly success, right? It's not actually, you're not hurting. You're like, man, uh, I've been following, climbing the ladder, uh, the, the American dream. Um, and you know what our world tells us to do, right? America's like, you buy a bigger house, man. You double down, you get a nicer car, you go on a better vacation. And maybe you're struggling with success because you're like, 
how do I invest my time, my, my, what God's blessed me with? Like, the, the answer is in the world, it's like bigger bank account, you know, invest in retirement funds. But I feel like God's saying to invest in his eternal work, invest in building his kingdom, uh, invest in global missions, invest uh, uh, serving my family. The world will tell you a fat bank account is number one most important. But we have seen amazing people of faith here say just the opposite. God's blessed me to be a blessing. I'm going to give away a lot of it. You're sitting among people who do that kind of crazy stuff. I, I talked with a woman out, this is spontaneous, there's a woman later before the service and she came out last one and she said, Pastor Tim, I'm so glad you said that. My family thinks I'm crazy. God told me when we moved out of our childhood house to give it away, not to sell it, to give it away. And I'm like, is it a dump? Like, is it a bin? And she shows me the picture. And I'm like, that's nice. She goes, right? Uh, she goes, my, my, the Lord told me give it away. They actually gave it away. Who does that in New Jersey? Okay, that doesn't happen at all. But by faith, people think you're crazy. In, in recent weeks, we've met with a couple people who are living with a boyfriend or girlfriend. And again, right, you're like, you may be here and you're like, bro, what's the big deal? Like, come on. That's like the world, like, is like, come on, man. I mean, everybody lives together. It's, it's you know, you wouldn't buy a new pair of shoes without trying them on, right? That's what the world says. Time out, P.S. You also, how many of you have bought used shoes? Anybody? Nobody, okay. Just sit, okay. Just say it. That's not, that's not in my notes. That's just bonus for you, okay? That's just like. And guys, God is still calling people actually out of sexual immorality. God still calls people out of abusive one-way relationships. And when people do that, it's a huge step of faith that is counter to our culture. You understand that? So God's still calling people out of stuff. And here's the truth. God will not call you and show you your destiny if you stay anchored to this world. One foot in, one foot out. God says, as long as you are holding on to this world, building your own tower of success, you're at war with me. You're busy building a tower, God says. Heaven ain't gonna come down to you. You're not gonna get answered prayers. You think I'm gonna give you divine direction? Your affections aren't with Christ. They're elsewhere. Your actions, your attitude, leave me out. In fact, guys, one of the ways you can tell you're growing as a Christian is when your passion for the world is dying, and your appetite, your hunger for Christ is growing. And God, I'm calling some of you out today because he didn't just save you like saved, I can go to heaven now. God is telling you to leave this self-absorbed humanistic way of thinking. And he says, I ain't gonna give you all the details of your life, but in faith you gotta trust I know where I'm taking you. And you may be like, man, that's hard, Lord. Heck yeah! Ur was all that Abraham knew. It's where he was born. It's where his business was based. He was rich. He had roots. His, it, the Bible says, though, once he heard God's voice, this is cool. Listen to this. Abraham was how old, church? Abram was... Set, the answer's on the screen, people. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Abram was how old? 75 years old when he left. Imagine this, seniors, okay? He's 75 years old, and his story's just getting started. Isn't that encouraging, seniors? Okay, let me talk to the senior saints a minute here, all right? I'm always like talking to the millennials, like in Gen Z. If you're here and you're in your 60s or 70s, oh, God's like, now I just might be able to use them, okay? <laughs> I may just be about to write a brand new chapter in your story. And I know some of you are like, oh, I'm too old for that. Listen to me. If you ain't dead, God ain't done, amen? If you ain't dead, God ain't done with your life. I, he may just be getting to the good part.
I, I think of Pat Miller. You guys know Pat Miller? She leads our prayer team in Mountainside. Look at this beautiful woman. 70 plus, loving it. I'm then going to tell you her full age, but she gave me license to tell you. She's in her 70s. And I get this postcard, and it's got her picture on it. And she's got this beautiful, uh, you know, hair, uh, a hat kind of thing. And I'm just like, bold fashion choice, you know? <laughs> and I flip it over, and she says, I'm going to Tanzania. I'm like, wait, what? She goes, the Lord is calling me to get on an airplane at Newark Liberty International Airport and fly over to Tanzania to go preach in women's prisons and help young women out of sexual slavery. And I'm gonna preach at evangelistic crusades and heal people by faith, because that's where the action is. She's like, she's 70 plus, man, I'm telling you, if you ain't dead, God ain't done. You, seniors, you should tweet that on your, <laughs> on your Motorola Razor, all right? You're just gonna... <laughs> Listen, the, <laughs> the journey for every Christian begins with leaving whatever age. And guys, that's a decision that you're gonna have to make at some point. If, if the cross is before you, I gotta put the world behind me. If I'm gonna experience God's blessing, his divine destiny. Abraham said, God's calling me out. What's God calling you out of? I'm gonna leave behind the things I know best to take hold of God's future. So gut check, is your present position potentially making you miss out on God's future blessing? Do you love the world so much that you're willing to miss out on your destiny? Because God's got plans for your life, but you gotta be willing to say bye-bye. Journey of faith requires a leaving of worldliness, saying goodbye to actions and desires that are in conflict with God. But secondly, notice your journey of faith involves a living. In other words, there's the, the leaving the familiar, but then there's the living by faith. Hebrews says, when Abraham reached the land, God promised him, so that's the promised land. He what, say it church, he lived there by faith, for he is like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. So Abraham leaves his hometown of Ur, and now he lives by faith, and notice what he lives in. What's he live in, big mansion? Tents. It is a temporary structure. He says, I am not putting down roots here. I'm not building a mansion because this world ain't my home. I'm just going to be passing through. He's a foreigner. He's an alien. He's a tourist. He's saying, this world isn't my final home. This is not my final destination. And as this reveals something about your journey. Because when God is leading you, just listen to this. God is always doing two things at once in your life and mine. It's going to blow some of your minds. Here are the two things he's doing. On one hand, he's preparing the promise for you. On the other, he's preparing you for the promise, okay? Whatever your divine destiny, it's true. Yeah, some, some of you got it, you're just like, why are they clapping? That's what is happening. Whatever your divine destiny in God's eternal plan, what he has planned for you, did you know that it's already ready? Like it's already done from God's perspective. Right? We live in like a time continuum like, well, that's down there in the future. From God's perspective, that promise is done. It's waiting for you to step into. But first, he's got to get you ready. Understand? So that when the promise and the person come together, you don't screw it up. Because you weren't immature. Because you lacked faith. Think of it this way. You have no control, correct, over the promise part. That's God's part. You can't control that. Here's what you got control over. What? 
the person part. You got control over yourself, your own heart, your own maturity, your own faith, your own character. God has this promise part already done, but he's waiting for your character to catch up. Here's another way to put it. Abraham needed some character development before God would reveal his destiny. You know how long it took between these two poles? How long did it take between the person and the promise in Abraham's life? 25 years. Abraham was 75, he was 75 years old when God told him to leave, and it took 25 years. Uh, it wasn't until he was 100 years old that the breakthrough came, the blessing came. In his life, the blessing was a baby. He and his wife Sarah had a hard time getting pregnant. They became pregnant at 100 years old. That's a miracle, people. It's called Super Viagra, all right? Just like, I don't... That, that was Abraham's promise. It took 25 years for Isaac, his son, to appear. You ever wonder, why did it take 25 years? And the answer is, because Abraham wasn't ready yet when God told him to go. You know what Abraham was doing? Again, he's in the Hall of Heroes. They're like, he's this perfect holy man. Abraham was lying. Abraham was cheating. Abraham was deceiving. Abraham was having an affair with his handmaiden at this point. He had a baby out of wedlock. Abraham needed some major character development in his heart before God could give him his destiny until he came to his senses and he grew deeper in his faith. And like for me, like I look at that 25-year interlude, that gives me hope. Does that give you hope? Because you know what it means? It means even when you haven't learned to walk by faith, God's like, I'll wait. How long is this going to take? God will circle the airport with your promise <laughs> until you get that message. I, I imagine that. Like, think of God like at the controls. He will circle Newark Liberty Airport. And he's like, guys, tray table's up. We're cleared for landing. I'm trying to bring this thing in, but you guys messing around in the back of the plane. So think about this. In your life, you ever think about this? You could be delaying the promise for your failure to step out in faith. The, the, promise, the promise is here, you may be, God's waiting on you to obey. Does that motivate you to leave her? You wanna obey God and move as quickly as you can to the land of faith so God can give you what he's prepared for you because now you're ready for it. See, your God is not just a holy, awesome, all-powerful, sovereign God, he is a loving father. How many fathers know, I ain't giving my kids that yet. <laughs> I ain't giving my kids a phone yet. You kidding me? That kid will go nuts, man. It's just, he'll watch YouTube for 18 hours. His brain will melt. It'll fall out of his ears. I can't give it to him. Not because I don't like him. He's just not mature yet. I can't do it. God looks at you that way. God, God is like, I'm not going to give you a destiny that will cause your life to implode and you forget me. And so he says, I want you to live as a foreigner. I want you to be an alien in this world. Don't build a mansion. I want you to pitch a tent because this world ain't your permanent home. You're just passing through. So don't get too comfortable, okay? Keep your shoes on. God says, I got to develop you to get to your destiny. So understand, I may take you through some temporary stuff. There's some hardships. This is like roller coaster up and down in here. There's mountains that need moving. There's valleys. But they're all designed to develop your faith muscle. So listen to me. God's got to get your heart right before he can bless others through you. You know what, is that amen? amen? You're like real quiet, man. You know what's sad? 
when I talk to Christians who are still working on 30 years of things that should have been solved three years ago. It should take their whole lifetime because they didn't pitch a tent. They built a house and said, this world is my home. And so God has no flexibility with your life. You aren't available to go if he called you. But it says, when Abraham reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. He's like a foreigner, a tourist, living in tents. Abraham's whole family lived by faith. They didn't get too attached to the world. And then notice, lastly, they were looking where? Looking forward. So understand your journey involves this leaving of the familiar, a living by faith, and then finally this looking forward we see in Hebrews 11, verse 10. It says Abraham was confidently looking where? Forward. Not in the rear view. I'm looking right out the windshield where we're going to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by who? God. Instead of a temporary tent, Abraham said, it's okay. I got an eternal crib. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Guys, heaven is the hope of every Christ follower. But notice, Abraham wasn't going to heaven yet. Neither are you. Abraham still had a lot of years left on earth. So do most of you, except for you, your phone's ringing, man. This may be your day. Just... <laughs> feeling punchy today, feeling punchy. I just kidding, I just kidding, man. <laughs> Listen, even though Abraham wasn't going to heaven, he was looking to heaven. He says, that's where I'm going. I'm going to the eternal city to be in the presence of my Lord. Whether I live 75 years, 100 years, 1,000 years, that's my real home. I'll be there 10,000 years and forevermore. So understand the secret, Christians. If you will look at heaven, you will live better on earth. That's, right. That's the truth. But if you stop looking at heaven, you focus only on what's in front of you, the temporary world, you will lose perspective. You will not live a life-giving life because you're looking through bad glasses. Yeah? Those of you who wear glasses, some of you wear them because right, you're nearsighted. What does that mean? It means you can see things close up but like far away, like I, I, can't, I can't make that out, man. I can't, I can't see that far. I can't, I can't see heav heaven's out there somewhere. Man, I'm young. I have my whole life ahead of me. God says, we're going on a journey. I'm the author of this story. I know where I'm taking you. I want to give you my glasses of faith so you can see what I've created you for, and it's going to correct your vision for how you live on earth. Can you put these glasses on? Can you, can you see it? Where, where, are we look, where are we looking, Lord? Look at that place. You see in the distance? Yeah, what, what is this place? Th that's the place where I'm going to wipe away every tear from the eyes of my children. Can you see it? Yeah. I, can, I can sort of see it. Can you see the promise? That's the place where there's no more death. Real, what? There's no more sorrow. There's no more suffering, crying, pain. Can you see it? No more racism. No more sexual sin and immorality. That's the place. I'm making everything new. Gee, no cancer. Amen. Healed and whole. No cancer. Amen. No oncologists. No HMOs. Praise Jesus. That's like... Phew. Some of you, God's got to give you some glasses. You, you know what happened? Jesus gave a pair of glasses to Paul and let him look into heaven. Paul said, I've been, it changed his whole life. Paul said, when I see what God has prepared, I'm going to give my whole life to this thing and telling other people. 
Jesus gave glasses to John in Revelation and said, look, I'm gonna show you. And what do you see, John? He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the old earth has passed away. Understand, Christians, heaven isn't some airy-fairy place out there behind the clouds. When Jesus returns, heaven will be a place on earth. It will be earthy. It's this world restored to its pristine condition before the sin, before the fall, and that means your life on earth has eternal significance. Don't you dare think of heaven as like some, you know, retirement home, you know, for the Christians or something, you know? We have these anemic pictures of heaven. You know, I heard a guy who's just like, I'm like, what do you think heaven's like? And he's like, he's like, I think it's like, man, like my best day, like when I golf, you know? Like, it's beautiful out, and it's like, it's like one endless round of golf. I'm like, bro, that's hell. That, that, that's not heaven, okay? Listen, how you invest your life on earth echoes into eternity. Your job right now, wherever you are, is to bring heaven to earth in every arena. It's to bring heaven into your home. It's to bring heaven into your work. It's to bring heaven into your neighborhood. Some of us are so nearsighted, focused on what's in front of us, we don't give heaven a second thought. We just live like this life is kind of like, it's all there is. Well, guess what? God's got a pair of glasses for you. And he wants you to look forward to heaven so that you can live out your eternal purpose on earth. C.S. Lewis described it this way. He says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they become so ineffective in this one. Now listen to this last part. This is, this is like a tweet. C.S. Lewis was throwing off tweets before there was Twitter, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> listen to this, he says, he says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. You aim at earth, you'll get neither. In other words, if you just act like this world is all there is, what you do day to day doesn't matter, but if you believe everything ripples into eternity, God can use you to change the world, amen? He can use you. He can use you, he'll use your life. Guys, this is how the church started. It was spirit-filled. It virally went out. They didn't have money. They didn't have any plan. It was the early Christians who started the first hospitals. You know why? Because their belief in heaven made them say, the sick are worth saving. It was the, it was the Christians who founded this country who actually started the first universities. They started Princeton and Harvard, what we know as the Ivy League, as seminaries. Because they said, if the only thing that lives on is the Word of God, we should hide the Word of God in the hearts of our kids and our students. That's how our college system started. Guys, in the second century, in Rome, where the early Christians were, it was hit with the bubonic plague. And everybody fled the city. Everyone left. But the Christians stayed to care for the sick and dying. They didn't care about risking their own health. Why? Because like Abraham... They were confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. They realized, I got a role to play in the restoration of all things. And because Jesus not only died and was raised from the grave, I believe even my worst day on earth is actually my best day in heaven. Because to be absent from this body is to be what? Present with the Lord. I'm gonna wake up alive in the presence of Jesus. That's a win. So they walked by faith, and the early Christians, they served the sick, they tried to save their souls and rescue in, in their others' lives without a care for their own because they put on God's glasses, and they looked forward in faith. 
I've been joking about this, but I think some of y'all need a new prescription. <laughs> you need a new pair of glasses to view this world. So you can go to work tomorrow into your families and your homes and you can see this world with heaven in mind. Remember, you've been blessed to be a blessing. Your job is to bring heaven to your home, heaven to your work, heaven to your neighborhood, heaven to your Zumba class, <laughs> heaven to your unsaved friends. And guys, keep looking up until God takes you from earth to heaven or Jesus comes to bring heaven to earth for you. Amen? That's your purpose. Give God a praise. That's his plan for your life. It's the destiny of every Christ follower. So here's my question. Here's my question. I'm going to end with this. What's God telling you to leave today? What's God telling you to leave? Because your journey with Jesus is not over when you get saved. It's just beginning. And your journey with Christ will always mean leaving worldliness behind. Maybe you're here today and you've sensed God confirming for you, you need to leave a situation in your life that's been pushing him away. Maybe it's leaving a relationship that's abusive. Maybe it's leaving a bad circle of friends who's just kind of dragging you and pushing you away from God. Maybe God's calling out a, an old habit and saying, man, that's, that's just not worth it anymore. This is the moment when your life starts. Walk with me. Take my hand. He's telling you to leave an old addiction. Leave it today. Don't go home with that. Don't let your present position make you miss out on God's future blessing. Leave it behind and then live by faith. Don't waste your life building a tower to your own success. This world is passing away. There's an old hymn we used to sing when I was a kid, and I remember this line. It went like this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You got to put on some new glasses. You got to look forward to your heavenly home and give your whole life to Christ. Say, Jesus, I am completely available. There is nothing that is going to anchor me and hold me down. I'm going to fix my eyes on King Jesus. He is the author. He's the finisher of my faith. He will lead me where I need to go on earth, and he will get me safely home to heaven. Amen? So the question is, you want to keep hanging out in the world? Or do you want to step into your destiny? Because the only way to get there is by faith. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Father, I feel the Holy Spirit right now. I just know you're talking to people. I can sense it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Abraham who shows us it's possible to live in the world and not be of the world. So, Father, I pray right now for the men and women under the sound of my voice, you're speaking to them, Lord. For some of you right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking into your ear. He is confirming publicly what he's been whispering in private. He wants you to have it in stereo today. There's, there, there's someone here today, God's telling to leave an ungodly relationship. Jesus, I pray right now, would you give them strength? Literally, Lord, pour that energy into their legs to get up and take that step. Give them courage, God. Father, there's someone you're calling to leave a secure job where maybe they've enjoyed success and you're, you're calling them to step out in faith and take a lower salary so they can help more people in Jesus' name and build your kingdom globally. Jesus, give them courage, give them faith to step out. 
Jesus, let us bring right now your name into our tomorrow morning, into the Monday morning arena where we have influence. More of your spirit, Lord, in our homes. We need more faith in our classrooms, God. More of Jesus in our offices so we can lay down our lives and bring heaven to earth. God, may all of our lives point people to your son, Jesus. It's in his name. It's clothed in his power. And for his glory, this church prays. And everybody said together, Let's give God a big praise, church. Come on.